0: Welcome to the Financial Dad's podcast with Paul Fagan and Paul Becker. This podcast is for all the moms and dads out there who struggle with life's topics, especially related to family and finances. Now, here's my dad, Paul Fagan. Hey, Paul, how you doing?
1: Hey, Paul, how you doing
0: today? Doing fantastic. Uh, another week of um, trying to fight through uh, COVID and work, and and I guess all the all the weeks are repeating on me. To be honest with you, uh, I, I would say. Nothing nothing really new. Um every week is kind of the same for me at this point, but thankful and grateful I can I could work from home and, and do my thing here. How was your week?
1: Yeah, pretty good. You know, we uh kicked off another product uh, showcase for ourselves internally of the work we're doing within our agile world. Uh it's going really pretty well. So keep 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 chugging along on the train, Paul.
0: Very cool, very cool. Uh, Today's topic is credit building and monitoring. Uh, Building, monitoring, and maintaining your credit scores and the reasons why to do so. Um, But first, let's talk about some news we saw this past week. So the first news story is from Vox and, and it was kind of a interesting, trendy kind of social media related financial story. Terrible financial advice is going viral on TikTok. And here are 10 of them, and they want us to uh, walk them through. And I thought it was interesting. Uh, my daughter uh, is a big TikTok fan. All her friends are big TikTok fans. Um, and, and and I think there's a lot of adults that are uh, into TikTok as well. I mean, it's this massive, massive next-generation uh social media platform if you haven't checked it out you should check it out we actually have a financial dad's tiktok channel um we don't have anything on it paul we'll have to figure out how to do some funky dances and and give some real world advice through it we just haven't figured out a way to secure that channel uh but when i read through the article it was crazy it's it it has a lot of outrageous claims here that people are saying and there's some stuff that is kind of twisted and kind of makes sense if you unwind it. And I think the article does a good job of uh, either myth-busting or supporting, um, you know, different ways to take a look at what they have in here. For example, um, the claim, if you start an S-corporation, you don't have to pay taxes. So so somebody out there is saying this, and of course you do have to pay taxes, but yeah. but if you look at the TikTok story and the video, it'll tell you, no, you don't have to pay taxes at all. So you, you really uh and we always say this don't don't get your advice from a single source and and i think if you're gonna get it from tiktok really be careful um on the advice because it's just one person's opinion same thing when we do the reddit stories right you'll see responses back on reddit um i think what i like about reddit at least there's a little bit of consensus building when people are contributing the answers and you can see trends in the answers but when you have someone that's just spouting that you could pay less for hotels when you buy their points or just buy Tesla calls or always short the stock market to make a bundle. Not good advice. Uh, What was your take on this story, Paul?
1: Yeah, you know, I I guess for me, you know, seeing some of these, a lot of these are just old ones, just recirculated. You know, the Federal Reserve has a secret million dollar bank account for every American citizen. Yeah, no, it doesn't, right? (laughs) (laughs) A lot of these are um just rephrasing of some old some of them are almost almost scams um and some of them are as you said you have to be really careful you have to know what you're doing you know tesla calls and shorts uh, they just don't make sense they just don't make sense so before you do anything foolish you should really check with a professional on a lot of these sort of things but the problem is paul some of these have you know thousands and thousands of followers and it, it's scary. People don't know what they're doing. Oh this guy's on TikTok. he's got 10,000, 15,000 followers. He must know what he's doing. Great. And then you can lose your money.
0: Yeah, you absolutely. Money. absolutely. I mean, I think the only claim that I will back up here, is number nine in the article the claim actually you should pay more on your mortgage? And and that one I'll back, uh, Babos Babe. That's the person that, uh, <laughs> yep. that, that put this up. I, I have to agree with that. And, and, and you don't have to agree with that out there in the podcast world, but we've talked about this in the past and I'll stand by my, um, my claim that I think you actually should pay more on your mortgage. I think you should get rid of your mortgage. And I know there's, We've had this debate and the first episode was talking about paying off the mortgage. Um, And and people, once again, finance, personal finance is very personal. And and like I've said on the show and in previous podcasts, I have friends that will never pay their mortgage off. They just won't. They don't see it as as something that's um, actually tactically and strategically, they will not pay off their mortgage because they can do more with their money in other places than, than buying and then getting cheap money on the mortgage and yada, yada, yada. Uh, but very few can do that. Once again, this, the financial superhero. Yes, yes. He could get away with that and he could debate me into the ground on that. But very few people, one out of thousands could actually do what he's doing when it comes to taking all that money you would have paid on the mortgage and putting it into the stock market and day trading and, and other vehicles. So, um, But you got to leave it to the professionals, um, which I guess technically uh, he is. (laughs) So uh, I'll let you have the last word on that story, Paul. Uh,
1: Paul, I I agree wholeheartedly here with you. You know, um, I'm sort of between you and him on that. You know, I'm paying off. But the the rate I have is so low that, yeah, I can do more with it by putting it away and investing it. So we're we're sort of... um, Once
0: say at odds there, Paul? No, we'll we'll agree to disagree on that one, I think. I think that, and that's fine, right? Because we want people out there to have their own opinion and formulate their own opinion when it comes to these these things. So, um, but if you want to listen back, I think we've talked about this many, many podcasts ago, um, paying off your mortgage early. If you look back in the series, we definitely dedicated whole episodes to this because this is such a hotly debated topic. Um, that it's something that maybe we should revisit to be honest with you Paul we should probably put it back in because when Jody and I were doing the podcast, we both agreed on this point like we we're both equally aligned right in terms of you know paying off the mortgage or any debt as fast as humanly possible um, you know without impacting your your family's you know basics right that was always kind of our mantra but maybe we should revisit it um, because you definitely have a different opinion on it and it would be good to get a fresh episode with some, some, some pushback on that. Um,
1: sure. Sold.
0: Okay, cool. Right. We'll add it. We'll add it to the, uh, to the mix here. So, uh, we'll jump to the second story, which is from Tom's guide, uh, best personal finance software of 2021. We haven't touched upon this in a while. We've, we, we have talked about financial applications in the past and, uh, um, my mantra has always been, I have my Excel sheet. I use an old copy, a very old copy of, of Quicken. Um, I'm not endorsing them by any means, any way, shape, or form. I think they've personally, they've abandoned the Apple version, the Macintosh version of Quicken. Um, they've moved it all online, which for some people, I think that's great. I, I still am being old school. I like to have my financial data in at a minimum in my own. I want to put it in my own spot where I want it, so I have it in the cloud. I'm probably rambling a bit on this, but just in full transparency, I use my Excel spreadsheet. I have this uh, family dashboard, I call it. I got the idea from another uh, dear friend of mine who who does extremely well, and it just worked. And I kind of mimicked that uh, and made it my own. So I took kind of what he had and made it my own dashboard. And then I used Quicken just as a glorified check register I don't pay bills through it I don't do financial forecasts through it I use my spreadsheet for that I use my quick and just to balance my checkbook just to keep my accounts on track and keep my banks honest and the third tool that I use is um, simple web browsers right I have uh, links to all my banks I pay all my own bills I have very few that I let auto pay and there are certain reasons why I let them auto pay but for the most part I get the bill And I log into the website. I make the transaction. Then I go into Quicken. I record the transaction. Then I go into a spreadsheet, which I call the monthly household expenditures. And I plot it there. And that's how we do our monthly split between me and my wife. And we've talked about this exhaustively in the money and marriage episode. Um, So give a listen back and you'll hear how... um, And that was where Jody and I differed. Um, The way Shelly and I... Run our financials are way different than Jody, and I'm sh- i pretty sure they're probably way different than the way you and Janine. Do you and Janine combine your financials completely?
1: Yeah, I mean, we're very different than the way you do it. Yeah, we, we have, don't we don't do that. So we have one set of accounts that we use, that's it.
0: Yeah, we have accounts all over the place. So it, but for us, it works, right? It, it just works well, and and it's allowed us. And you listen back to the marriage. I don't want to turn this into that episode. Uh, we had a whole. Uh, podcast uh, dedicated to it. But when I look at the article, um, you know, the, the the standards are there. Mint, uh, my personal opinion, I, I stopped using Mint. I tested it with one account. I did not like the fact that you put all your accounts and passwords and all these things in here. And I know it's read-only and they're only reading your data. They can't transact. I know there's a lot of safeguards in place with Mint. And And if anyone out there wants to dispute this, they could easily dispute me. I'm sure it's a safe platform. I'm sure it works well. Um, it, it's it's set it and forget it. Everything's aggregated in one spot. Just not for me. Um, Quicken, like I said, in the, right now they're all online. Not a huge fan. Um, personal capital, um, not as familiar with that. Um, I have my own uh, way of investing, so I haven't really looked in that. And then there's Acorns to help Um, Get your kids starting in that investment habit or savings habit, which I think is great. Um, And there's YADA, which is gamifying saving your money, which I think is kind of cool. I sort of did that myself many years ago, and then I retreated from it, and then I started doing it again. It's the pay yourself first method. Um, This week, I got a paycheck, and I figured out how much money can I take from that paycheck and put in and transfer to a savings account. And it's a little bit different every time, but I try to maximize. Even if it means me having a little less in my checking account, I try to sock away as much as I can. So gamifying savings could be pretty cool. Um, And then there's this honeydew, which is managing finances with a partner. So I think that could be interesting to check out. Um, And then there's some other budgeting tools and goal tracking. So I think for me, um, I think they're worth checking out. I think they're worth testing um, with one account, or you know, get your you know dip your toes into the water to test these different things. At some point, I will be forced to use Quicken Online. Apple will do something to to negate my use of my old copy of Quicken, that will make me not use it anymore, and I'll have to go to an online version. Um, that's just the way life is, right? So I'm, I know I sound like a crotchety old man at this point, which I am, You but are. You I are. like my Quicken. I like my Quicken that is just the check register and I don't have to pay a subscription for my personal finance software, right? That, and same thing with Microsoft Office, right? I just don't want to pay 12 bucks a month. I'd rather buy the license and let me own it for as long as I could keep it. Um, I just don't see the value in, in, in some of these, I think subscriptions have their place for certain things. And I think for other things, it doesn't make sense to me at this point. Um, but I've talked a lot on this story. Paul, I'm going to hand the mic to you. What is your thought when it comes to this article?
1: I was thinking he didn't need me for this episode anymore, No, not Yeah,
0: right? yeah my, Paul's going to leave now and walk his dog. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. I always you want you on the episode, my friend. I want to hear what you're... Wow, you, wow. You're the... you,
1: you were on a tear there. Yeah. Um... <laughs>
0: Wow. So
1: so similar to you, I, I did play with Mint. I actually thought uh, years ago I had played with Mint, and I, I kind of liked it. But like you, I got very nervous about all the accounts in one place syncing. I love the idea of the syncing where everything's coming in. Just not a fan of it. Automated in a third party, uh, especially, Paul, you and I both being in the IT world, um, I think we're a little bit more skeptical of some of those tools and things like that.
0: I, I think it's minimizing the risk, ball. So, I, I mean, I use the cloud for, for, for data backup. You know, I have my Quicken file, which I, when I upgraded, um, a, I guess, um, you know, maybe a year ago whatever, when I did my my first major upgrade on my machine, it asked me, hey, do you want to put stuff in the cloud? And I said, okay, fine. Right, because I've been meaning to do it forever. Right, I want my photos in the cloud. Right, I don't have anything in my photo library that would be disparaging, <laughs> so I'm not too worried. Um, you know, uh, you know, my Quick and File it, it backs up to the cloud now. Right, but I try to minimize the risk, and and so I think that for me, it's about making sure that I have minimal in the cloud. That you know, but when I look at something like Mint, and to your point, Paul. You're, you're you're putting your password in. You're putting your account ID in. And if if there's a if someone goes in and it's it, like if they go into that database and do an extraction of all that data, man, they could get everything in one shot. That's my yeah. what I'm imagining. So Paul, I'll give the mic back to you. I'm sorry, I'm on my soapbox here. I'll get off the soapbox and hand the mic back to you for the. Uh, for, for the rest of your uh uh i cite the soapbox to your
1: daughter a soapbox <laughs> to your daughter or something
0: man. wow well it, um, that's the other thing she wants to be on the show oh so no, she wants we did an episode with with her and um and, and Juliet um a long long time ago we did a great episode and that was the birth of the uh intro right that's where that whole idea came from we started using it uh, because uh, it came from that episode. But we'll have to think about something to bring her back on. And I know you were talking about bringing one of your, you know, one of your boys or both your boys onto the podcast. That'd be awesome too, right? Um, so we have to figure out how to get the kids back onto the podcast. But once again, I will hand the mic back to Paul and shut up. And you give me your <laughs> your your view on this uh, this article because I keep cutting you off, my friend.
1: Yeah, well, so as everyone can tell that uh, Paul is very passionate about tracking his personal finances in a tool. Um, It sounds like multiple tools there. For me, uh, I I look at everything coming in very carefully and I monitor it that way. I gave up on tracking them very detailed like these tools do because I um, I got nervous about all the passwords, all the accounts in one place and syncing. And I didn't want to do it myself all the time. So I just do it at a high level, you know, the budgeting sort of stuff, uh, the ins and the outs, and then, you know, the Excel files are sort of the the best old school that I use it for. That's how I do it. You know, again, it's macro level type stuff. But when I'm paying a bill, everything's coming in and – in the bank I use, I could see how much I paid last month or the month before to that account. And I actually do have a a number of them set up to auto pay now and works out pretty well. Works out pretty well for me. It's simpler. It's cleaner. I check the credit cards so frequently that I would catch it before a statement came in, if there was an issue. And I did have something, um, the end of last year, um, there were some some uh, fraudulent transactions on the card. So, and I caught it way before the statement would have come or anything.
0: So you're using Quicken and your bank logins to pay your you're bills. Obsession and-
1: with Quicken. He's not endorsing anything, but I, but Quicken, Quicken, Quicken. No, I don't use Quicken. I don't use Mint. Well, I'll tell I you the reason why
0: ones. I use Quicken because I have caught errors over the years with transposed numbers and, and the bank erroring. Um, and I found them because I only use Quicken. And if it, and, and I'm gonna say it's not because it's Quicken. It could be any tool that could do this and it could probably be built in a spreadsheet. It's just an old fashioned check register. And for those of you out there, you get a checkbook, they give you this, this book with the checkbook and you write in your transactions and you do the math manually. That's what you used to do years ago and Quicken replaces that. So I have found what I do is when I get my monthly statement from my bank, I strictly use the Quicken Record for reconciliation only. So I'm not using it for budgeting. I'm not using it because I like it. I use it because to me, it makes sure that I'm able to do a checks and balances against what the bank is is taking out from me. Right, and I found errors. I found errors over, you know, over time. Whether they their their scanners read a check wrong, and it's off by ten dollars. I had one case where it was off by like a hundred bucks. Um, and I'm able to go back to the bank and 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 bring it to their attention, and then they find the error. So that's the only reason why I use it. Otherwise, um, I don't use any other feature within it at this point. Just just for reconciliation. So okay um I'll, I'll leave it at that um, I, I think we killed this article yeah again. yeah we'll, we'll move on i think we're, we're we're 19 minutes in and we only got through the news oh my gosh so thanks everyone for bearing with us okay so now we'll jump into the weekly topic uh credit building and monitoring building monitoring and maintaining your credit scores and the reasons why to do so um my personal situation when it comes to this paul um i personally never been overly concerned about my credit um I've never had a problem getting getting a loan, uh, whether it was for a car or for a home. I've never worried, gave it a second thought, because my credit, I know, has been always relatively clean. Um, I don't purposefully use credit beyond my normal monthly expenses at this point, but every once in a while, if there's something that needs to, a loan for something, whether it's a car or, um, although even that's a debatable one now... um, uh, depending on how I would buy at my next one. But if I needed to do a loan, I never worry about uh, the credit score. I always know it's probably pretty good. Uh, but for me, um, it's interesting because my wife's credit score is actually higher than mine because we have the ability within our bank accounts to go to FICO um, and look at the FICO score. And hers is actually higher than mine because I think technically our joint credit card for the household, which we use a lot, is technically... In both our names, but her name is first on it, Mm -hmm. and I think that has something to do with it. I think she's the primary card holder on the joint account, even though it's in both our names. It's very interesting. Um, And then, you know, I do check my credit score every four months using annualcreditreport.com, which is the only um, uh, link that I found that is truly free. And it checks against all three of the major agencies, uh, Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion. Um, and I'm also very surprised when I look at those reports that I still see stuff there from many, many years ago. Like I bought a really expensive uh, TV, uh, very dumb thing to do, but I bought it from PC Richards and Sons, which is an electronics store here on the East Coast. And I, th- that, that account is still showing In my records, which is amazing to me. So it just goes to show that the credit bureau agencies and reporting is very sticky. Whatever you do, if you miss payments or you have good credit, it it always, you know, it it tracks it for many, many years. So that's kind of my, the way I look at credit. Paul, what's your take when it comes to your current situation with credit?
1: Um, Well, if you ask my wife, I'm, I'm sort of obsessive about my credit score. Uh, So kind of like the last one where you were obsessive about uh, Quicken and such, right? I'm much more obsessive about my credit score. A couple of reasons why. One, I want to know. Two, I've had issues over the years where someone tried to steal my ID. And uh, so ever since then, I've become obsessive with it. In fact, I keep myself generally locked down so no one could just open up any credit in my name. They have to verify me. Um, that's what I do. I do check it. I actually use a tool called Credit Karma. Uh, I use it as an app on my phone. And even that, I like the way they do that app. Not only do you set up, but you have to verify yourself with either PIN or Face ID just to open the app. So if I hand you my phone and you go to that app, Paul, you can't even get in, right? Even though you're right with me, I'd have to verify it. Um, I found the, the credit rating interesting over the years. One of my first jobs out of college was um, I was working at a bank, and I bought the new car a few months before that at a, when I was working somewhere else. And they called me up. HR called me up. And they said to me, um, are you okay with you know with, with your car loan payments? Like, what do you mean? Yeah, I'm fine. I mean, if you want to pay me more, I'm more all for that. And I said, no, we just looked, you know, based on what you're making and the car loan payment. You know, we just want to make sure you're okay with it. Because they ran a credit report on me, hmm. and a lot of employers will and do. Now, obviously, I was in my early 20s at the time, and uh, things were different back then. But it really does matter. I mean, your, your credit rating. Impacts your your insurance rates, your auto insurance rates. So they have a direct correlation. If you have a lower credit card rating, lower FICO score and credit rating, they're gonna you're gonna pay a higher rate on your automobile insurance. Just a fact. They all do that. That's how they do it. Fortunately, as you said, Paul, there are a lot of ways to get access to that information free. Um, You check it every quarter. I probably check. The two in Credit Karma um, weekly. Mm. And then I also check my FICO score, which is a different one, um, through the credit cards, as you were saying. You can go on, like, um, I think my Discover credit card. That, they show you uh, my bank. They show you the credit score. So there are a lot of ways to get to that. So i, I become quite obsessive with it. Uh, another example here. Now, see, I'm on my soapbox. Is <laughs> When my sons were going to college, uh, when the older one was gone, we got him a credit card. Good, good thing to have, you know. St- one, start building credit, and two, you know, for expenses. Just by, he has something, and I was a co-signer on it. It's a very, very low uh, credit threshold. It's uh, $600. Okay, he bought something. I want to say three weeks ago on that card and he has the money to pay for it in his account and that's fine he's gonna pay it off every month we taught him well but because it was over what they generally consider a high amount so generally anytime using once you get the about six percent of your credit amount that's when it starts going negative on you once you're over 10 percent of that credit line it starts really going negative on you from a credit rating this is what i've seen now, he used probably three-quarters of that. And because I'm the cosigner on that card, my credit rating dropped nine points on one rating and eight on another. Hmm. Now, keep in mind, another credit card that I have just the other day added like $3,000 to my limit. I, I don't need that. I don't need that. And, but I didn't call them and tell them to take it off. And here's why. I did that one time with another card. I said, I don't want all this extra on there. And I had them lower it back down. When they lowered it back down, my credit rating took a really big hit for that. Hmm. So it, 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 there's a lot at play here. And it, it does impact a lot of things. Like I said, again, your job. right? They're going to scan that. And they're going to see that. Uh, That role was unique because I was a a bonded employee at the time. And like I said, your auto insurance. So all your your credit rating is really a very interesting tool. You need to understand that tool and know how to leverage it.
0: Yeah, I'd have to agree. And I think it also ties heavily to your home loans or home equity loans, right? You'll get a better rate if you have better credit. Um, And I think that's another thing that to call out because and a lot of people don't realize that going in right they'll go to get the mortgage from their mortgage broker they'll cut you know they'll quote the rate and you know if they have really horrible credit of course they'll know right away right because they're they're at risk and this and that but even if you have little things in your credit it could fluctuate the rate slightly which could be very impactful and you might not know it if you're not keeping track of your credit scores
1: oh, it's only a quarter point. Well, a quarter point on a mortgage over 30 years on a few hundred thousand dollars this is a lot of money.
0: It is a lot of money. Yep. And and that's why you have to, to watch it very closely. I, you know, Paul, I didn't realize that you were as knowledgeable on this subject. And I guess if I had my ID compromised, like if my identity was, was stolen or compromised, I think I'd be in your, your seat where I would want to monitor it, very intently. And who knows, I want to knock some wood here. Hopefully it doesn't happen to me, but I could see why now you watch it so closely. Um, can you can you would you elaborate a little bit? So when that ID was compromised, right? When you found out, like what were some of the steps you had to take? You know, you talked about credit freeze. I don't think a lot of people out there know about this, right? Like, can you maybe spend a couple of minutes telling us how how sure. uh, how that went and what you've been doing, you know, in terms of those preventative measures and dive into those a little bit more?
1: Yeah, sure. So uh, believe it or not, I actually keep the toll-free numbers for all three credit reporting agencies in my cell phone. Okay, I told you I was obsessive about this. And and I do that so this way I can at any time just call and freeze my accounts. So what a freeze does is it allows you to block any new credit, uh, anyone from opening up credit in your name, unless you verify. Again, that's phone call. Uh, from the from the credit company requesting it, and then you can generally your social your and so you have to verify like pay stubs things like that at times to make sure that it is truly you opening up that credit. So it's really um, it's very stringent. A lot of the times they'll only put it on a freeze for six months. You can always continue to redo that. But um,
0: but what does the freeze actually do? So It
1: prevents anyone from opening up any new credit lines under that name. Got it. It's frozen. Like, I couldn't go to PC Richards and open up a PC Richards credit card and buy a TV. Now, if I already have the credit card, it lets me use it. Absolutely. But it won't let me open up any new accounts. Heck, you I don't even know if you could open up a bank account. When you're on a freeze like that, you probably could, because it's not credit, um, but a credit card. Yeah, you absolutely would not be able to. You have to verify everything that it's truly you. So it it, it was very interesting. Um, and again, they didn't get very far. Uh, knock on wood. any time with that, um, but it it was it was scary. So I immediately just called all three agencies, locked them down. So no one could do anything, and I, I've kept it. I, I keep prolonging the locks on them so no one can do anything. So when I go, you know, you go to a store, Paul, right? Say so you go to Home Depot, Lowe's, whatever, and ah, uh, they have a special on, I don't know, an appliance. Well, so if you use the their store credit card, you get an extra X percent off, and innately i want to save that few percentage points but it's it's actually sometimes to me it's not worth it um, unless it's a really big expense would i do that because the hassle i know i'm going to go through just to get that credit card open it's not even worth it for me i i i I just don't do it like nope i just say no i have enough credit cards as well and that's it And now so many of the stores, so many of the credit cards have varying points you can use. Oh, you get between this month and this month on this credit card, you can get, save an extra, you get 3% back at home improvement stores. Normally it's 1%. Okay, cool. So I'll make sure I use that card for that. But I don't open up cards just willy nilly at all or anything.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, for me, I remember a long time ago. We opened a department store card because we were buying a sofa, and 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 the money, the math worked. Um, but I'm I'm in your camp now. Like um, I, I I'm always getting. You go to a store, you go to a clothing store, and you get ten percent off if you open up their credit card, right? Nah, not worth it, right? Like uh Banana Republic or or um, you know um, Abercrombie and Fitch. They're always pushing. F- to get a credit card right and 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 it's enticing to your point and i could see how people get sucked in to that but to your point i i don't want to go through the hassle and for me i don't have anything f- frozen right so i could just go do it but i still don't have a desire to have just another credit card that i have to worry about um the one thing that i found is we've had our joint credit card compromised a number of times um for hmm. whatever reason and and i do check my uh i do have alerts on my card when it goes above a certain threshold so that's when i know something might be up so that's how i get a text alert if it goes above a certain amount uh, but one time our credit cards got the joint credit card got um stolen and it was they spent like thirty thousand dollars at Saks fifth avenue which we weren't responsible for we called right away said hey you know and the credit card companies are pretty good about that piece right if, if if it's clearly not you i've never had a problem Knockwood um disputing the charge uh when it comes to theft that kind of thing but it is funny for sacks fifth avenue i think that happened like five years ago and every year now we get like their christmas catalog like in a like a gold box <laughs> like with ribbons <laughs> on. it's crazy because they think I we actually spent that money
1: the marketing department and the fraud department didn't talk yeah, they didn't talk
0: the right they, they didn't talk so it's it just kind of funny how that how that works, right? So, um, I mean, one of the things maybe we'll just kind of switch switch gears here to some of the educational pieces, and we talked about it at the top of the of the podcast, right? The three main credit agencies that I'm aware of are Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion, and and all three have their own way of determining, you know, and 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 pulling the the score or not pulling the score. I shouldn't say that pulling the, the data, score. right? Pulling that data. Uh, because some may, you know, one might have an error where the other one might not, right? It's very interesting how those work. They don't really necessarily talk to each other and keep in sync. Is that correct, Paul? You you know more about this than I do, but I know there's these three major ones, yep. and through AnnualCreditReport.com, I'm able to. I have it in my calendar every four months. It gives me a reminder, and and I set it up many years ago, and I you know I'll download the Equifax. Once a year, I'll download Experian once a year, I download TransUnion, I download it, create a PDF methodically, scan through it, and then just dump it into a save folder on my computer, and, and I wait for the next one. So, Knockwood, that methodology has worked for me. Um, you know, I also have thresholds on my current accounts that tell me if, if fraud is happening, but... I don't have a credit freeze, right? Um, I don't have that. Uh, but, Paul, what's what what's your take when it comes to the three main agencies? Did I get it right? Are there other agencies? Yeah. And I guess there's FICO. No, no those,
1: those are three. those are three that, that are out there. Um, yeah, you know, One of them changed their name a number of years ago as well because there was an issue. Um, but the, you're right. They all do use their own secret sauce to compute that score. And the scores are generally relatively very, very close. Um, like I said, mine went down by nine points on one of them, but the other one only went down by eight. Now, what's really interesting is the week before, I actually sent you a chat of this. One of my FICO scores uh, was uh, an 850, right? It, it was full. It was maxed. And then, again, like I said, I, and then the next thing you know, I'm losing nine points because my son used his credit card. Um <laughs> So my my son apologized He's like I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm like well, it's fine you're allowed to it's just, it's just interesting to me how it it's such a small percentage of my available credit and it's having when when you think about it a ten you know not ten percent a one percent impact on my overall credit score so it, it it is very telling how just one little thing can have that impact. And if it's more than one thing, if it's a second and a third and a fourth thing, that's how you really get yourself in trouble. And it's hard to dig yourself out of those holes. It takes time. It really takes time. Now, what's interesting, Paul, just for everyone, you're, you're entitled to a free credit report from each agency once a year. So, Paul, what you did is, you know, okay, every quarter you're doing one. Or whatever right or every every of months let's say you're able to keep it by doing it free and when you go to these services they all want you to sign up for their premium service i don't know i don't think you really need it everything i can do with tools that are out there your bank card your bank account your credit cards tools like credit karma and there are many other tools out there that do that yeah, I don't know if you necessarily need to pay for that, but you certainly don't need to pay if you're putting it on freeze or any of those things. And they make it really tricky on their websites to uh, try and entice you to the subscription service. And when we talked about subscriptions uh, a few episodes ago as well. So don't don't fall for that. Sorry, Paul, go ahead.
0: Yeah, no, no problem. The uh, Credit Karma, is that a paid service or a free service? No,
1: it's a, it's actually a free service. They do have ads on it as far as, hey, this credit card might be good for you and things like that. Uh, I've had no problems with that tool. I do actually like it a lot. Um, So that's what I use religiously. Like I said, at least weekly. How's that? Very cool. At least weekly. Very cool.
0: Have you ever had errors on your credit report that you've had to fix? I don't think I've, I'm trying to think back. I don't think I've had errors.
1: The only error I had was one time uh, my brother, my older brother, had uh, given me, put me on his his credit card account as a secondary holder. I never used the credit card at all, ever. I think he was doing it to be nice, um, but I never used it. And it still showed me as having an address at his address. Now, this was a long, long time ago, and he had since moved out of the New York State area and moved to another state, and obviously that credit card followed him. For the longest time, that address was listed on my credit card, on my credit reports, as living in that state. I've never lived in that state. Hmm. So that was the only um, sort of oddball one that
0: I've had. Did you go about fixing it?
1: I did. I, I called them up. Said I never lived there. Lived in New York State my entire life, and that was from my brother's credit card back from probably I don't know 1995 or something. And they they
0: fixed it. Interesting. Interesting. I know there's a whole process for fixing errors, um, especially in the credit itself, right? So I know if you if you look at um, you go to usagovernor slash credit reports. You, you could get more information on this at a more detailed level. My understanding, at a high level, is if you have a major error in your credit, you can uh, send note. You, know, you can send a letter to both the credit agency that reported it, plus the the the, the uh, and plus the company that reported that bad credit, whether it was Mastercard or a department store account or whatever. And then they have 30 days to respond. And 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 if you have a credible case, uh, in most cases, um, if you follow the procedures that are outlined for fixing errors with that particular agency, they'll resolve them right in in a decent amount of time. I, I think that's that Correct. that's kind of key. Um, yeah,
1: but it but it is a very prescribed procedure, right?
0: Yes. Step one. Step two.
1: Right. There is no wiggle room on the procedure or the uh, verification process.
0: Yep. Yep, absolutely, and I think the last thing we maybe want to talk about today is is the is the FICO right because everyone talks about the FICO score and I'm not an expert on FICO Paul by any way shape or form but that seems to be the magic number right when you talk to people you talk about credit FICO is that one stop shop and and I forgive me I probably should do more research on that but I, I guess that's is that a separate agency or is that deriving the score from the other credit agencies, like, I know that's another one where there's been whole documentaries on trying to unwind the secret sauce of the FICO score because people kind of don't know. They've guessed what goes into it, um, and, and that's what's been interesting. Susie Orman used to be a huge proponent of checking your FICO score, and I think she was tied to them in some way, shape, or form Um uh somehow from a relationship perspective. If I'm wrong, I I don't want to be sued here. That that's what I'm thinking, right? It's just one lowly podcaster's opinion. But d- are you familiar with with some of the um the mystery around the FICO score?
1: Um I'm really not other than it is the predominantly used tool out there for you know evaluating you as a financial risk. That's what it's about. Right? This is all about companies protecting themselves to make sure that if they're going to give you credit on stuff, you you're worthy of that credit, or they charge you a much higher rate because you're a higher risk. Again, same sort of stuff here, but uh, I'm not, you know familiar with the inner inner workings of it, other than it is the primary tool that's used out there for all of it.
0: Got it got it. Yeah, and 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 that's something that maybe we could take a look at in the future. I mean, we've talked a lot about you know, the the why um you want to keep your 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 credit good. We talked the what what it's all about. I want to talk a little bit about the how. Just for a couple of minutes before we 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 close the podcast off, right? So, keeping your credit stellar Right? What do you What do you do to make sure your credit stays in good shape? Right? And I think it's it's all the fundamental common sense um, things that 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 would come to mind. Right? One, you have a credit card. You you pay the monthly minimum. You know, on time, every month. Right? Don't be late with with payments. Whether it's to your rent, to it's a credit card, to a utility company. Um, always try to keep your bills up to date. Now, in this time of COVID, once again, thankful and grateful, I've been able to do that. I know others out there may not be able to do so, and and if you can't pay your bills, that's fine too. You're in a you're in a unique situation, but I'm I'm talking about just in general, um, assuming that you have the means and you have the money to pay. Always pay on time. Try to pay stuff off. As, 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 well, this is the other one that could be disputed. If you pay it off as fast as you can, I think that could ding your credit, right? Because it's very weird. I don't know how the algos work, but I'm just going to go from my perspective. I've had a good credit score. Not perfect, but I've always had a, a, a very good credit score. I've never been, knockwood turned down for any uh, loans or any need for when it came to credit. I, I pay uh, you know, a reasonable amount for my auto insurance. I've always gotten decent home loans. I've never got turned down for a job because of my credit. So uh, mine's not perfect, but just the rules of thumb that I do is always pay my bills on time. uh, Watch the credit report. Make sure there's no errors in it. I think those are really the two common sense things is just be knowledgeable. Check your credit reports on a regular basis. And when it comes to paying off loans, you got to pay your payments on time. I think that's Uh, probably the key. You probably have some other common sense things. Yeah, I do that.
1: I think there's something sort of missing there, Paul. And that is, you don't want to go over, especially that 10% threshold, on a particular card, okay? So if you have, and this is why sometimes multiple cards help. Uh, again, we talked about as the credit cards as financial tools. Now, if you only have, say, one credit card, that's the only thing you're using, well, your usage of that Is probably going to hit that 3%, which is sort of, from what I can tell, the first sort of threshold, and 6% is another one, and then 10% is really, really starts to have more of a significant impact on your credit number. Now, that's just one card. Now, the example I gave before where my son with his one card went well over the 10% and it dinged me, you know, substantially on my credit report, even though I have tens of thousands available to me on my other credit cards and so a a 400 i think it was like 463 sixty three dollar credit card bill on his credit card because it was using up most of that room had such an interesting impact on my credit even though my, my other cards like i said have tons and tons of available credit to me But it was because it was the percentage of that card, not just the total overall. So they use both, the total overall used versus available, as well as each individual. So sometimes if you have multiple cards, understand the payoff dates and what's on them. And we talked about this, I think, in the last episode, right? I actually have on a bunch of my credit cards the date the card closes. So I know how to um, what card to use when for those transactions to try and keep myself at that low threshold per credit card. I told you I was a little obsessive about no, it.
0: No, no, this is all great stuff. Um, I, I love the the detail in here. I would have never thought of that piece. Like I said, for me, um, so it sounds like there's really the you know, pay you know pay, pay off you know pay your payments on time. Um, and watch out for this you know, above 10% threshold, right? Because that can hurt your credit as well. So I think those are those are key to to making sure that you're maintaining um, kind of the how. How do you maintain good credit? And I think those are some of the tenants for that. Um, jumping into the summary recap, for me, I'm just gonna sp- kind of shout out to annualcreditreport.com. Um, you know, there's a lot of different websites out there and Paul, to your point, that are trying to get you to pay for your credit reports and subscribe and do all these different things um annualcreditreport.com is the one that always has worked for me i check each one of the major agencies uh once a year so i check my credit report formally three times a year um and and that's kind of what i recommend Uh, paul what's your recap for today so i I have two points one there's something out there called the dark web where
1: passwords are posted from accounts that have been stolen and things like that Uh, so it's really neat in a couple ways i'm going to tie it all together in a minute here some of the credit cards actually will say hey we haven't found your social security on the dark web lately or a password breach on the dark web of one of your passwords and that's really a, sort of a key tool because someone can get to your accounts whether, whatever kind of account it is, right? They could just spawn out from there. Unfortunately, uh, a lot of people use the same password over and over again for different services. So a lot of times if they get one password and then they can use that for multiple tools and it could be a bank account, it could be a credit card. So I just want to encourage people, one, a lot of the credit cards are saying they don't see anything. That's an option you can turn on if you want us to let you know. Yes or no, I encourage you to do that. Two is don't use the same password. And three would be use a password vault for your passwords. In fact, um, I was on my iPhone the other day looking in the passwords in the uh, registry of that and... Apple got really good with this. They put a warning up there and saying, hey, we've seen you've used the same password a couple times on this site or this site. And they they were useless sites to me. But it it was great to see that some of the big tech companies are being extremely careful with that. So hopefully uh, everyone will will learn a lesson from some of that stuff. But as far as tools, again, for this episode, I'm a big fan of the Credit Karma tool. Sure. Um, that's that's my favorite go-to tool. That's the one I've become obsessive with and check it frequently. I actually checked it this morning before we got on the podcast here again.
0: Very cool. Very cool. And I did post Paul what you sent because we do prep for these calls. Um, so I sent I put the progressive.com uh credit sure, credit score in uh, insurance scores what you should know. Posted that to the Facebook page. I am going to try to post the annualcreditreport.com link there. I was having a little trouble posting it there, but I'll I'll see if we can get that posted there so you can get to the right link to get to your annualcreditreport.com, and I'll also uh, post the link for Credit Karma so we could check things out there. So, Paul, this is great. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed our discussion today, and I'm personally looking forward to the next one. Thanks, everyone, for downloading our podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at financialdads at gmail.com, or check us out on Facebook. Just go to financialdads.com. So with that, this is Paul and Paul reminding you, managing finances can be stressful, but that's why the Financial Dads are here to help you plan for success. Have a good one, everybody. Be well, and thank you.